On February 11th, we commemorate the Hiram Martyr Blaise, Bishop of Sebast, Venerable Demetrius, Wonderworker of Piluki, Vologda, Saint Vesev Volod, in baptism Gabriel, Wonderworker of Skov, the Righteous Theodora, wife of the Emperor Theophilus, the Iconoclast, Saint George, New Martyr of Sophia, and Saint Gobnata of Badi Vurni. The Hieromartyr Blaisi, or Blasius, Bishop of Sebast, was known for his righteous and devout life. Unanimously chosen by the people, he was consecrated Bishop of Sebast. This occurred during the reign of the Roman emperors Diocletian, 284-305, and Licinius, 307-324, fierce persecutors of Christians. St. Blaisi encouraged his flock, visited the imprisoned, and gave support to the martyrs. Many hid themselves from the persecutors by going off to desolate and solitary places. St. Blaise also hid himself away on Mount Arageos, where he lived in a cave. Wild beasts came up to him and meekly waited until the saint finished his prayer and blessed them. The saint also healed sick animals by laying his hands upon them. The refuge of the saint was discovered by servants of the governor Agrileos who had come to capture wild beasts to loose on the Christian martyrs. The servants reported to their master that Christians were hiding on the mountain, and he gave orders to arrest them. Those sent out found there only the bishop of Sebast. Glorifying God who had summoned him to this exploit, St. Blaise followed the soldiers. Along the way, the saint healed the sick and worked other miracles. Thus, a destitute widow complained to him of her misfortune. A wolf had carried off a small pig, her only possession. The bishop smiled and said to her, Do not weep, your pig will be returned to you. To the astonishment of everyone, the wolf came running back and returned his prey unarmed. Agrilaus, greeting the bishop with words of deceit, called him a companion of the gods. The saint answered the greeting, but he called the gods devils. Then they beat him and led him off to prison. On the next day, they subjected the saint to tortures again. When they led him back to the prison, seven women followed behind and gathered up the drops of blood. They arrested them and tried to compel them to worship the idols. The woman pretended to consent to this and said that first they needed to wash the idols in the waters of the lake. They took the idols and threw them in a very deep part of the lake, and after this the Christians were fiercely tortured. The saints stoically endured the torments. Strengthened by the grace of God, their bodies were transformed and became white as snow. One of the women had two young sons who implored their mother to help them attain the kingdom of heaven, and she entrusted them to the care of St. Blaise. The seven holy women were beheaded. St. Blaise was again brought before Agrilaus, and again he unflinchingly confessed his faith in Christ. The governor ordered that the martyr be thrown into a lake, the saint going down to the water signed himself with the sign of the cross, and he walked on it as though on dry land. Addressing the pagans standing about on shore, he challenged them to come to him while calling on the help of their gods. Sixty-eight men of the governor's retinue entered the water and immediately drowned. The saint, however, heeding the angel who had appeared to him, returned to shore. Agilaus was in a rage over losing his finest servants, and he gave orders to behead St. Blaise and the two boys entrusted to him, the sons of the martyr. Before his death, 
the martyr prayed for the whole world and especially for those honoring his memory. This occurred in about the year 316. The relics of the Hiramartyr Blaise were brought to the West during the time of the Crusades, and portions of the relics are preserved in many of the lands of Europe, and his memory traditionally honored there on February 3rd. We pray to St. Blaise for the health of domestic animals and for protection from wild beasts. St. Demetrius of Priluki, wonder worker, was born into a rich merchant's family in Pereslav Zalesk. From his youth, the saint was uncommonly handsome. Receiving monastic tonsure at one of the Pereslavu monasteries, the saint later found the St. Nicholas Cenobitic Monastery on the saint's Boris and Gleb Hill at the shore of Lake Pleshevo near the city and became its igumen. In 1334, St. Demetrius first met with St. Sergius of Radonej, who had come to Pereslav to see Metropolitan Athanasius. From that time, he frequently conversed with St. Sergius and became close with him. The fame of the Pereslav Igumen was so widespread that he became godfather to the children of great prince Demetrius Ioannovich. Under the influence of the Radonej wonderworker, St. Demetrius decided to withdraw to a remote place and went north with his disciple Pahomius. In the Vologda forests at the river of Velika, near the Avnej settlement, they built a church of the resurrection of Christ, and they prepared to lay the foundations for a monastery. The local inhabitants were fearful that if a monastery were built there, their village would become monastery property. They demanded that the monks leave their territory, and wishing to be a burden to no one, they moved farther away. Not far from Vologda, at the bend of a river in an isolated spot, St. Demetrius decided to form the first of the Cenobitic monasteries of the Russian north. The people of Vologna and the area surrounding gladly consented to help the saint. The owners of the land intended for the monastery, Eliash and Isidore, even trampled down a grain field so that a temple might be built immediately. In 1371, the wooden Savior Cathedral was built and brethren began to gather. Many disciples of the monk came there from Periaslav, St. Demetrius combined prayer and strict asceticism with kindliness. He fed the poor and hungry. He took in strangers. He conversed with those in need of consolation, and he gave counsel. He loved to pray in solitude. His Lenten food consisted of prosphora with warm water. Even on feast days, he would not partake of the wine and fish permitted by the rule. Both winter and summer, he wore an old sheepskin coat, and even in his old age, he went with the brethren on common tasks. The saint accepted contributions to the monastery cautiously so that the welfare of the monastery would not be detrimental to those living nearby. The Lord granted his servant the gift of clairvoyance, and he attained a high degree of spiritual perfection. St. Demetrius died at an advanced age on February 11, 1392. The brethren approaching found him as though asleep, and his cell was filled with a wondrous fragrance. Miracles from the relics of St. Demetrius began in the year 1409, and during the 15th century, his veneration spread throughout all Rus. No later than the year 1440, the Priluki monk Macarius recorded his life in the great reading Menion on February 11th, based on the narratives of St. Demetrius' disciple Igumen Pahomius. Holy Prince Visevolod of Skov, in baptism Gabriel, a grandson of Vladimir Monomach, was born at Novgorod. 
where in the years 1088 to 1093 and 1095 to 1117, his father ruled as prince. His father was the holy prince, Sin Mstislav Theodor the Great, commemorated on April 15th. In the year 1117, when great prince Vladimir Monomach gave Mstislav Kiavan Belgorod as his udel, or landholding, practically making him co-ruler. Young Vesevolod remained as his father's vicar in the Novgorod Principality. Holy Prince Vesevolod did much good for Novgorod, together with the Archbishop of Novgorod, St. Nifon, commemorated on April 8th. He raised up many churches, among which were the Cathedral of the Great Martyr George at the Yuryev Monastery and the Church of St. John the Foreigner at Opoka. Built in honor of the angel, the patron saint, of his first-born son, John, who had died in infancy in 1128. In his Ustav, the Code of Law, the prince granted a special charter of lands and privileges to the Cathedral of Holy Wisdom, Hagia Sophia, and other churches. During the terrible famine, he exhausted his entire treasury to save people from perishing. Prince Visivolon was a valiant warrior, he marched victoriously against the Yam and Chad peoples, but he never took up the sword for lucre or power. In 1132, upon the death of Holy Great Prince Mstislav, Vesivolod's uncle, Prince Yaropolk of Kiev, fulfilled the last wishes of his brother and transferred Vesivolod to Periasava, then regarded as the eldest city after Kiev itself. But the younger sons of Monomach, Yuri Dolgoroki, and Andrew Dobry, were apprehensive lest Yaropolk make Vesivolod his successor at Kiev, and so they marched out against their nephew. Hoping to avoid internecine strife, St. Vesivolod returned to Novgorod, but was received there with dissatisfaction. The Novgorodians felt that the prince had been raised by them and should not have left them earlier. Vesivolod went to Rus, to Pereslav, noted the Novgorod chronicler, and kissed the cross against the Novgorodians, saying, I will kill you. Striving to restore good relations with Novgorod, the prince undertook a victorious campaign against the Chad people in 1133, and he annexed Yuryev to the Novgorod domain. But a harsh winter campaign in 1135 to 1136 against Suzdal was unsuccessful. The stubborn people of Novgorod would not heed their chastisement by God, and they could not forgive their prince for their defeat. The assembly decided to summon a prince from the hostile Monomach line of the Olgovici, and they condemned St. Visivorod to banishment. You suffered exile at the hands of your own people. We sing in the Tropanian to the saint. For a month and a half, they held the prince and his family under guard at the archbishop's palace. When Prince Sviatoslav Olgovich arrived on July 15, 1136, Visivorod was released from his captivity. He went again to Kiev, and his uncle, Yaropolk, gave him the Vyshogorod district near Kiev the place where St. Olga, who was commemorated on July 11th, had lived in the 10th century during the rule of her son, Sviatoslav. Preferring the cities of Kiev and Skov, St. Olga came to the defense of her descendant in 1137 when the people of Skov, recalling the campaigns of the Novgorod-Skov army led by the prince, invited him to the Skov Principality, the native region of St. Olga. He was the first Skov prince chosen by the will of the Skov people. Among the glorious works of St. Vesivorod Gabriel at Skov was the construction of the first stone church dedicated to the life-creating trinity. 
replacing a wooden church from the time of St. Olga. On the icons of the saint, he is often depicted holding the Church of the Holy Trinity. St. Vesivolod ruled as Prince of Skov for only a year. He died on February 11, 1138, at the age of 46. All of Skov gathered at the funeral of the beloved Prince, and the chanting of the choir could scarcely be heard over the people's wailing. The people of Novgorod sent an archpriest from the Sofia Cathedral to take his holy relics back to Novgorod. The prince, however, did not want his body to rest in Novgorod. He would not allow Skov to be deprived of his relics by the people of Novgorod, who had driven him out, and the coffin would not move from that spot. The Novgorod people wept bitterly and repented in their misfortune. Then they asked to be given just a small piece of his relics for the protection of their city. Through their prayers, a fingernail fell from the saint's hand. The Skov people put St. Vesivolod in the temple of the holy great martyr Demetrius. Beside the grave, they placed the military armaments of the prince, a shield and sword in the shape of a cross, with a Latin inscription, I will yield my honor to no one. On November 27, 1192, the relics of Holy Prince Vesivolod were uncovered and transferred into the Trinity Cathedral, in which a chapel was consecrated in his honor. The deep spiritual bond of the city of St. Olga with the Holy Prince Vesivolod was never broken. He always remained a school of wonder worker, at the siege of Skov by Stephen Bathory in 1581, when the walls of the fortress were already breached and the Poles were ready to rush into the city, they brought the holy relics of Prince Vesivolod from the Trinity Cathedral to the place of battle, and the enemy withdrew. On April 22, 1834, on the first day of Pascha, the saints' holy relics were solemnly transferred to a new shrine in the main church of the cathedral. At the appearance of the wonder-working skull of protection icon, commemorated on October 1st, Holy Prince Vesivolod Gabriel stood among the heavenly defenders of Skov. Holy Empress Theodora was the wife of the Byzantine Emperor Theophilus the Iconoclast, 829-842, but she did not share in the heresy of her husband and secretly venerated the holy icons. After the death of her husband, St. Theodora governed the realm because her son Michael was a minor. She convened a council at which the iconoclasts were anathematized, and the veneration of icons was reinstated. St. Theodora established the annual celebration of this event, the triumph of orthodoxy, on the first Sunday of the Great Fast. St. Theodora did much for Holy Church and fostered a firm devotion to orthodoxy in her son Michael. When Michael came of age, she was retired from governing and spent eight years in the monastery of St. Euphrosin, where she devoted herself to ascetic struggles reading books that nourished her soul. A copy of the Gospels, copied in her own hand, is known to exist. She died peacefully around the year 867. In 1460, her relics were given by the Turks to the people of Kirkira, Corfu. The holy martyr George the New was born into an illustrious Bulgarian family, living in the capital of Bulgaria, Sredets, now the city of Sofia. St. George's childless parents, John and Mary, in their declining years entreated the Lord to send them a child. Their prayer was answered, and they baptized the infant with the name of the Holy Great Martyr George, commemorated on April 23rd. Young George received a fine upbringing. He attentively studied the Holy Scriptures, and he was pious and chaste. His parents died when George was 25. At that time, Bulgaria found itself under the rule of the Turks, who forcibly converted Christians to Islam. Once, several Muslims tried to convert George. They put a fez on the saint's head. 
This is a red circular hat which Muslims wear to enter the house of prayer. But George threw the fez on the ground. The Turks brought the martyr to their governor with beatings and abuse. The governor was impressed with St. George's appearance and bearing, and he urged him to accept Islam, promising him honors and wealth from Sultan Selim. The saint boldly and steadfastly confessed his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and reproached the errors of Islam. The governor, in a rage, gave orders to beat St. George with rods, but the saint persevered in his confession of faith in Christ. The governor ordered the tortures to be increased. The passion-bearer bore all his sufferings, calling on the Lord Jesus Christ for help. Then they led the martyr through the city to the beat of a drum and shouts, Do not insult Muhammad, nor abase the Muslim faith. Finally, a large fire was lit in the city to burn St. George. Weakened by his wounds, the saint fell to the ground. They threw him into the fire, still alive, and they threw corpses of dogs on top of him so that Christians would not be able to find the relics of the martyr. Suddenly, a heavy rain fell and extinguished the fire. With the onset of darkness, the place where the body of the martyr was thrown was illumined with a bright light. They gave permission to a certain Christian priest to take the venerable relics of the martyr for burial. Informed about the occurrence, Metropolitan Jeremiah and his clergy went to the place of execution. In the ashes of the fire, they located the body of the holy martyr George and carried it to the church of St. George, the great martyr, in the city of Sredets. On May 26, 1515, the holy relics of St. George were removed from the grave, placed in a coffin, and then brought into the church. The church bestowed with these holy relics to this day honors St. George twice during the year, on February 11th, the day of his martyrdom, and on May 26th, the uncovering of his holy relics. St. Comnata was born in Cauclair at the end of the 5th, or the beginning of the 6th century. Later, she fled to the Aran Islands to escape from some enemy. An angel appeared to her one day and told her to leave that place and to keep walking until she found nine white deer. She saw three white deer at Klondrohid, Ko, Cork, and decided to follow them. Then, at Bali Makera, she saw six white deer. Finally, at Bali Verni, she came upon nine white deer grazing in a wood. There, she was given land for a woman's monastery by her spiritual father, St. Aban of Kilaban, Ko Lawis, commemorated on March 16th, and he installed her as abbess. Excavations in 1951 proved that indeed there had been an early Christian settlement on the site. St. Gobnata was renowned for her gift of healing, and there is a story of how she kept the plague from Ballyvorney. She was also famous for her skill as a beekeeper. One day, St. Gobnata was watching from a hill overlooking a valley as an invading chieftain and his army came through, destroying crops and driving off cattle. She sent the bees to attack them, and they were thrown into such confusion that they left without their plunder. The Holy Virgin St. Gobnata fell asleep in the Lord on February 11th. The exact year of her death is not known, but it probably occurred in the 6th century. Although she is regarded as the patron saint of Ballyverney, she is venerated throughout southern Ireland. There are churches dedicated to her in Waterford and Kerry. She is also revered in Scotland. <laughs>